of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the epistle, at the end of the epistle today, St. Paul says, For it is all for your sake, everything that he said before in the epistle, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Today I would like to talk a little bit about grace. I was at, by God's grace, the ordination yesterday of a young man, Aaron Rice. Some of you might know Aaron and Renee Rice. She was once the principal at ASA and a teacher there. And Aaron, now Spiridon, is Deacon Spiridon Rice. And today, as we're in this liturgy, he is receiving the grace of the priesthood at the Church of St. Demetrius in Seattle. He'll be ordained to the priesthood today, and he will be Father Spirit on Rice. Ordination is a profound example of the grace of God, so I want to read just, it's actually a very brief service that takes place in the middle of the liturgy, if you remember when Deacon Steve Tussing was ordained here. And the prayers are these. First, the prayer that occurs in all ordinations, the bishop begins by saying, the divine grace which always heals that which is infirm and completes that which is lacking, ordains the most devout subdeacon to the office of deacon. Let us therefore pray for him that the grace of the All-Holy Spirit may come upon him. And the clergy reply, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. And then the bishop says the final prayer of the ordination to the diaconate. He says, Lord our God, in your providence, you send your Holy Spirit upon those who are ordained by your unsearchable power to become servants, to minister your pure mysteries. Do you, Lord, look upon this man whom you have consented to be ordained by me to the service of the diaconate and preserve him in all humility, that he may hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Grant to him the grace which you gave to Stephen, your first martyr, whom you called first to the ministry of your diaconate, Make him worthy to please you as he serves you in the office which you, in your goodness, bestowed upon him. For those who minister well, prepare themselves for good reward and proclaim him as your perfect servant. This is the prayer for the deacon. And then as we speak right now, the following prayer is said. Again, that first prayer is said in the ordination to the priesthood about the divine grace which always heals that which is infirm and completes that which is lacking. And then the bishop says the following prayer. O God, without beginning or end, who are before every created thing and who honors with the title of presbyter those whom you deem worthy to serve the word of your truth in the divine ministry of this order, you, the same sovereign master, preserve in purity and in unswerving faith this man whom you have been pleased to ordain through me by the laying on of hands, graciously imparting to him that great grace of your Holy Spirit, making him holy your servant, well-pleasing to you in all things, and worthily exercising this great honor of the priesthood which you conferred upon him by the power of your wisdom. You see in the prayer again and again, speaking about the grace of God and about how that grace of God heals that which is infirm and completes that which is lacking. We know that if we had the grace of God in a more full way, that everything of our life would not be lacking. Everything of our life would be healed. The 
if we fully had the grace of God. And we receive the grace of God so many times and ways within the life of the church. And that grace, as Metropolitan Yerasimo said yesterday when he ordained deacon spirit onto the diaconate, he said the grace is not just upon this deacon, but upon all those who are present at this great sacrament of ordination. All who are present were receiving the grace of God. And all who are present today at that sacrament are receiving the grace of God. It's not limited just to the priesthood by any means. What is grace? Grace is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so far, everything that I've described about divine grace, its role within the church, is something that pretty much any Christian could agree to. It's the work of the Holy Spirit coming within the church, within the life of the church. But I want to talk about grace in a more specific way, because divine grace, the divine energies of God, are far more tangible and concrete. It's not just something that we receive when we say our prayers. Yes, that's true. We can receive God's grace then. Grace doesn't only come in inexplicable and sudden ways through prayer, like an unexpected gift. And yes, grace also, as the prayer to the Holy Spirit says, is everywhere present and filling all things, because the Holy Spirit is everywhere present and filling all things. But what I want to say today is that grace also dwells, grace also inhabits. It exists in different portions in different places. This is something that we as Orthodox, if we look to our faith, would know this. But many of us who come into the faith and are new to the faith are still learning this way in which grace dwells and inhabits places and things. There's grace in this place, in this church. You know, sometimes people come into this church for the first time they've never experienced in an Orthodox church. And they're overwhelmed, and they look around at the beauty. Maybe sometimes they even attribute it to the smell of incense. And incense, by the way, is an image of our prayers offered up to God. But that's not actually the fullness of what they're experiencing. You see, sometimes when we're in such an incredible place as a church, our visual input overrides our noetic input. And so we're just looking around saying, the experience I'm having is because this is so beautiful. Maybe we say so holy, but there's more there. Our noose is receiving God's grace. And why is it receiving God's grace here in this place? Because here in this place is a place where God's grace dwells. God's grace exists here in this place in, in a different way than it exists outside of these doors. We must understand this as orthodox. This is true. I mean, you look at the Old Testament, it was all centered upon the temple. To understand what the temple was, we can't understand it unless we understand how God's presence, God's grace existed differently there than in any other place. And his grace is expanding because God loves us so much. It doesn't mean that God is limited. Rather, it means God gives us these special things so that we can receive his grace all the more. So people sense the grace here in this place. I remember when I was a priest in Las Vegas, 
There would be people who never come to church, never come to church, but on weekdays or Sundays after the liturgy, these pious Orthodox people would come to the church to pray. And I would love for them to come to the services, but what I noticed is, I'm sure they're praying at home too. Why are they coming to the church to pray? Why there? Because they knew intuitively that this is a place of special grace. So yes, I can pray in my house, but if I can pray at church, then maybe their work schedules didn't allow for them to come to services, so they come at other times of day so that they can pray in church because the grace here is different. The grace here abides. It dwells and it inhabits this place. When I was in California recently at the Monastery of the Life-Giving Spring, we did a tour of all the chapels that they have at their monastery, and they have a number of different chapels. And there's this chapel that I had never been to, which is a chapel to the Archangel Michael, a very small chapel. And we went down there and, and, uh, and venerated the icons and, and saw this holy little chapel that was kind of near where their cemetery is. And the, the sister who was showing us around, she said, you wouldn't believe the grace that came on the first day of the first liturgy in this chapel when the chapel was complete. And we were all so filled with grace, but you know, you're not supposed to talk about it, you know, because you don't want it to be something that causes pride or something that the enemy can use, so you don't talk about it. So all, she said all the sisters were coming out of the service just kind of looking at each other like, how was that? You know, sort of trying to probe. And finally the, the abbess, Yorondasa Markella, she, she noticed all of them doing this and she said, yes, there was special grace in that liturgy. And she said there was special grace because it's under the altar. Because what I didn't tell you is there's the chapel of the Dormition and what we would call the basement, they made a chapel, and where that chapel is is actually under the altar. And her point being, there's so much grace in an altar in a church that under that altar receives that grace. Now you might say, well, you know, this is, how can this be? How can this be? If you go to the Holy Land, so many holy sites are under the altar. What do they do when they build the Church of the Nativity? They build the altar on top of the location of the Nativity. So if you want to go to the Church of the Nativity and venerate the very site that Christ was born, you actually take these steps around and go under so that you're under the very altar there. And in that sense, there's almost like a symbiotic relationship. The grace that comes from the altar through the services, the grace that comes from the site where our Lord was born, it's beautiful. So everywhere in the Holy Land, there are places like that. Jacob's Well is the same place where you go down these steps so you're under the altar to receive that grace there. And of course, the, the Holy Sepulchre. And this giant church of the Holy Sepulchre where tens of thousands of people come, thousands of people daily, millions over the course of a year, they come to the church of the Holy Sepulchre and there in the church of the Holy Sepulchre, when they do the, the service on Saturday evenings, at midnight, where do they do the service? Inside what's called the Eticule. And also, every night, they do a liturgy on the very tomb of Christ, on the place where his tomb was. That's where they do the liturgy. So people understand intuitively that grace inhabits specific places. Grace is something that dwells. Yes, again, grace is something we can all receive at any time and any place, but we also have to recognize it's something that dwells in certain places. 
the grace also of holy places is not just in holy places. That grace also exists within the objects of our faith. We think of miracle working icons. I can tell you the experience of the, the Hawaii Ivaran icon, which is a merge streaming icon, because I've seen it multiple times. And every time that I'm in the presence of the icon, in the same room as the icon, you can feel, I don't, I'll describe it as grace, but you just feel an overwhelming joy and peace in front of this icon. And then you smell the myrrh that's coming from the icon. This is, the, this is true with relics. This is true with so many of our holy things within the church. They become dwelling place, vessels of grace. This is what we say about relics. Why do we have relics? Not because we're interested in bones, but because those bones have the grace of God within them. And that's proven, if you need a proof, by so many saints who have incorrupt relics, who for over 1,000, 1,500 years, their body is still intact, which is for us of weak faith, we need to see that. And even then, we have such weak faith because we live in America and we can't go and see these things. We say, oh, how can that be? They must have mummified the body or all these strange explanations people try to give. But I'll tell you, when you go there and you experience it, it's different. If you go to the Church of St. Demetrius in Thessaloniki, you will experience something different there. If you go to St. Spiridon on Corfu, all of these faraway places, and if you go to San Francisco, which is not so far away, to the relics of St. John Maximovich, you will feel the grace of God. And if you don't, because I don't want us to get too caught up on feelings here, if you don't feel the grace of God, know that it's there. It doesn't really matter if you feel it. What matters is that you're receiving it. So here in this church, if you don't feel grace when you come to liturgy, that's okay. You're still receiving it. That is impossible for you not to be receiving it unless you're willfully rejecting it. So the grace in these holy places and these holy things, all of this is a grace that also dwells in us. So the last thing I want to mention is that there are dwelling places of the Holy Spirit we all have the Holy Spirit within us to varying degrees. There are some on this earth that have become such well storehouses, wells of the grace of God, that the grace of God is experienced just being in that person's presence. These are what we call saints, or even holy people. It's not just the category of saint that has this. But when we're in the presence of holy people, and again, here in America, it's a desert, there aren't too many places to experience holy people. But being in the presence of a holy person is something that can be a very profound experience. So why do I say all of this? I say this all because I want for each of you to become seekers of divine grace. That may be an obvious statement because you all should be seekers of divine grace. But if I tell you that you're seekers of divine grace, and I tell you that grace inhabits certain places and things, we should be seeking those out. We should be seeking those out. So how do we do this here in America? Because we can't go to the Holy Land very easily. If you can, please do, if you can, but not all of us can. Number one, go to monasteries and holy sites. Monasteries are places where the grace of God is more abundant. 
whether you feel it or not, remember that, whether you feel it or not, go to a monastery to receive a spiritual invigoration, even if you don't feel it. So go to monasteries in Goldendale, go to wherever you can go to go to a monastery and receive that blessing. And if you can receive a blessing of, of, from the abbot or abbess, all the more. Go to holy sites. If you haven't been to San Francisco, to St. John Maximovich, please go there. If you can go up to Alaska, to where St. Herman was. We do have holy sites in America. They're just not quite as many. In Chicago, a, a Serbian saint, they are around. You just have to look for them a little bit more. And if you have the desire, you will go look for it. If you don't have the desire, if you don't see it as the receiving of divine grace in a very unique and special way, you won't do this. But I encourage you, be a seeker of divine grace. And holy people as well. We do have holy people here in America. I know, we do. So as much as you can, again, it, it, monasteries are places where there tend to be holy people. But there are holy people that come through and around and as much as possible to be able to be around them and receive their grace. The second thing is to come to this holy and sanctified and grace-filled place as much as you can. For all of the services that you can come to. Every time you come here, you are receiving divine grace. Every time, not just in a sacrament. Yes, concretely in a sacrament, in the Eucharist, in Holy Unction, which we'll have this Wednesday. But don't think of it like, well, I only come to church for liturgy. No, every time you come into this church, you receive divine grace. And if this church happens to be in your proximity when you're driving around throughout the week, stop by and pray. You will receive grace by being here. This is what we have to understand. This is, again, getting out of our mentality, forgive me, of Protestant Western American Christianity. It's not grace everywhere equally. Yes, that's possible, but God specifically gives us places to receive grace. So these sacraments that we have in the church, the services that we have in the church. The third I want to mention is the seeking of holy things that are vessels of grace. Definitely holy relics. Every Saturday evening we have the relics of our own church that are brought out. To you, for you to receive the divine grace. Anytime you can venerate holy relics, do. Miraculous icons. But even down to things like holy water and blessed oils, you should receive those every day. Every morning, wake up and receive a sip of holy water. Anoint yourself with a blessed oil. These are ways in which, little by little, we're receiving more grace and more grace. And what is the grace that we're receiving? The divine grace which always heals that which is infirm and completes that which is lacking. So if you have infirmities, if you are lacking or broken in any way, divine grace can heal that. And the last one I want to mention by way of an apology. Because when I went up to the ordination, I saw once again people rushing to receive the blessing of the hierarch. The blessing that comes through the grace of Christ, through ordained priesthood and ordained uh, episcopacy, this is a grace of God. So I, as a fallen and weak human being, don't always put my hand out to give a blessing. And so by doing that, what I have realized is I'm depriving all of you. 
not of anything that I'm doing, but I'm depriving you of a blessing of Christ. Because when I see pious, humble, orthodox people that were raised in the church, if I see them in the grocery store, they come and get a blessing. I was once at a, a rest stop on the side of the freeway, and someone came up and received a blessing. And every single time, they're receiving a blessing of Christ. They're receiving the grace of God. So I want to encourage you in this and also to offer my apology because I'm not as good at this as I should be, which is to always offer the hand of blessing because it's not my hand. It is the receiving of the blessing of the grace of God. So don't feel squeamish about this. If you ever encounter me in a grocery store, feel free to come up. I'll be honest with you, there's more grace in that because it's the grace of overcoming our own self-consciousness. It's the grace of overcoming what will people think about this. So we'll receive more grace in those situations. But yes, also in church. The only exception I'll say is you all receive a blessing at the end of liturgy, so when we go to the fellowship hall, you don't need to come and get a blessing then. But any other time, any other time, it's not my blessing, it's the blessing of Christ himself. So let us be seekers of divine grace. Let us recognize the many ways in which God in his love and in his mercy has specifically deposited grace in specific places, in specific things. And what those things are or where those places are, let us go and seek them so that we can receive all of the healing of our infirmities and all of the completion of everything that is lacking in us. Amen.